0: You all may be seated. Good morning. Uh, my name is Tony Cross, and I'm a covenant member here. And i definitely been given an assignment uh, to pray um, this morning. I definitely want to pray for the spirit of violence that's in our city. Um, and that's why I'm here. Uh, this is a great time for us to lament for our different communities in our city, uh, for so much violence going on. Um, I was in the barbershop on Friday, and the news came on and it showed that four um, young adults were shot and killed in an apartment building. No suspects, nothing going on. And I don't know if you all have been hearing that it has been a lot of killing in our city of Indianapolis. Um, If you all don't know what lamenting is, um, the action of it is basically expressing sorrow and asking God to intervene for those individuals or the group of people that are experiencing loss. If you have ever experienced any loss, you know how it feels, especially when things come unexpectedly. So if you could please on this morning, I know I'm up here to pray, but I want you to pray with me. Because the Bible says the prayers of the righteous prevail as much. Amen? Amen. I know, and I think about the centurion soldier, you know. I know he believed that, you know, even though we're here, but our prayers, if we pray here, it can go out there and make a change and make a difference. So if you could, please, um, I want to pray for the family that experienced loss. I want to pray for the community. And i want to pray for the church that we stand up in this time of need here and right now, like never before. So with that being said, uh, will you please join me in prayer? Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we pray to you, the one that do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or think. Lord, at this time, Father, we are experiencing different forms of violence in our community. And God, we do not have the answer on why, but we know that you are the answer, God. And when we call on your name, things begin to change. Lord, we say, Jesus. Lord, we say, Jesus. Lord, we say, Jesus, we need you now in this very moment, in this very time of need, God. And Lord, I'm asking you right now, God, for the families that has experienced loss, God, that you will go to unexpectedly, Father, you will comfort them in this time. When things come unexpectedly, Father, God, we don't know where to turn, but God, I'm praying, God, that the pain that they are experiencing, God, it will lead them to you who have all the answers, God, who have all the patience, Father God, to deal with any unanswered questions. Lord, we thank you, God, that you're going to build a hedge around them, Father, and comfort them the way that they need, God. And Lord, now we go to the communities, Father God, to where we pray with them, God, and for things has always been the same where people never just talk and and, and come together. Lord, we're praying for a change in that, Father God, that people will speak up, God. People will stand up, Father God. And know what is right, Father. We are tired of people losing their lives to senseless violence, God. And Lord, I'm asking for the community to rise up, Father God. And be that beacon of hope, Father God. To say, you know what? No more. Lord, help us, Father. Help us, God. Lord, we do not understand all your ways, Father God. But we will not lean to our own understanding, God, for you are true. And, Lord, we worship you, Father God. Lord, build up these communities, Father God. Let them be brand new. Lord, we thank you, Father God, and we just thank you now for the church. Lord, help us, God. In moments like these, God, sometimes we still stand quiet and don't say anything. But I'm praying right now, God, that we will speak up. Stand up, Father God, for what is right, God. We pray that we will be a place of peace, God, a place of refuge, Father God, for when people come into these doors, Father God, they can experience your love. We can be the example, Father God, for greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. Lord, we thank you on this day, God. The hearts may be heavy, minds may be confused, God, but I believe that your church can satisfy all those um, lack, all that loss, Father. And Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you for what you stand on, God. We thank you for what you're going to do. Uh, we just thank you for everything, God. We bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning.
1: About two years ago, we sent out a survey across our SOMA congregation because as elders, as staff, uh, we wanted to know how people were doing in our church. We wanted to know what their life was like. We wanted to know the things that we're wrestling through. We wanted to know what does it look like for people who are a part of SOMA church to follow Jesus in the day-in, day-out aspects of their life. And as we began to get the results back from this survey and hear from many of you, uh, what we began to notice is, was a, a common theme, that, that many of us were really struggling, many of us were really wrestling with how to follow Jesus in the normal course of our life. You know, we were struggling to read our Bibles, to pray with any consistency, We were struggling to find rest, uh, to find silence and and solitude. We were struggling, uh, feeling like, for many of us, that we were pinballs in the game of life, that we were just being bounced around. We were reacting to life instead of being proactive. And for a lot of us, we had the question, what does it look like for us to walk with Jesus? What does it look like for us to follow Jesus in some real, practical ways? We wanted to walk with Jesus. We were trying to have quiet times. We were trying to read our Bible. We were trying to pray, be generous with our money, be faithful in our missional community groups, faithful during our Sunday gatherings, but for a lot of us, just kind of felt like, ah, I can't really get some traction. And so as the elders, as we talked about, what do we do here as, as people are coming to our churches? And really, we have the responsibility before God to shepherd and to lead our congregations. How can we do that? How can we do that knowing where people are and what people are wrestling with? And so about a year ago, we started uh, to really focus in on what we call spiritual formation, spiritual formation. Formation, The process in which God transforms us in our whole person, aligns who we are, all of who we are, with all of who he is. Sometimes we refer to that as discipleship. What does it look like for us to be disciples of Jesus in our normal lives? Not in an idealized world. Not in some ethereal spiritual realm, but what does it look like for us to follow Jesus, to be a disciple of Jesus in our real, tangible, practical lives, day in and day out? How does God do that? How does God tra- in and through us? God wants to transform us, God wants to do a work in and through us. And so we begin to talk about how he does that. Primarily, he does that through his spirit. His spirit dwelling in us, transforming us, bringing us, those of us who have put our faith in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, bringing us out of death and into life and transforming us into the people that he wants us to be. But what we have seen as we have looked at the scriptures together is that this is not a passive process. We are not just passive recipients in God's transformation. That God, in His grace, has invited you and me to participate with Him in our own transformation. That He has invited us into this process to experience His Spirit in the very practical things that we do. Through these practices that we see throughout the Scripture, and specifically, we see in the life of Jesus Christ himself, we believe that God is about the business of transforming us, that we put ourselves underneath the hand of God so that he shapes us and forms us into the people that he has created us to be. And so over the course of the last year, we've, we've talked about and we've practiced together Sabbath. Sabbath taking rest, enjoying what God has given us, silence and solitude, away from the noise, away from the hurry, away from the busyness of life so that we can sit and hear from the Lord. We can enjoy the presence of God. We've talked about, we've practiced prayer as Tony just mentioned, we believe that prayer is powerful, that prayer is effective, that prayer aligns our hearts with the heart of God, that God invites us, world, to participate in the work that he's doing, not just in us, but the work that he is doing in this world through prayer. Talked about reading the scriptures, allowing the truth and the reality of who God is, What God says about us. How God tells us to see the world in which we live to allow that truth to be what defines our lives. The framework through which we live our lives. Again, not just in a quote unquote spiritual way, but all of our lives. What it means to be human and living in this world. This past fall, we talked about pursuing justice and racial reconciliation being people of peace, reflecting in our community here the unity of God himself. And as we go out into our communities, into our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schools, that we bring our transformed presence and that God uses us as a transforming presence in those places. Following Jesus Being a disciple of Jesus naturally involves living like Jesus lived and doing the things that Jesus did. And so as we have over the last year dipped in and out of these little mini-series where we focus on some of these practices we see in the life of Jesus, we believe that as we commit ourselves to these, following Jesus in these ways, that the Spirit of God is forming and shaping us transforming us so that we can be transformed people in this world in which we live. And so over the next few weeks, we are going to dip back into another little mini-series where we are going to focus on the practices of fasting and feasting. Fasting and feasting. And if you're like me, I have way more experience with feasting than I do fasting. Feasting is a regular part of my life, maybe a little bit too regular. But we're going to look at together, where do these practices show up in Scripture? What role do they play in our transformation? And how should fasting and feasting show up in the warp and the woof of our lives? What should it look like for us as a community of people and as individuals that follow Jesus? Before we get into that, before we get into these practices, this morning I wanted to take some time to focus on something that I believe is absolutely essential for us to know and to understand and to believe with all of who we are. Something that's essential to our understanding of ourselves And then also essential to our understanding of fasting and feasting. This is something that we've talked about before here, but I believe it's something that we need to talk about more often. So if you would turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verses 27 and 28. Huh? We do a lot of research on our elder team. (laughs) That's the fruit of it right there. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28, we read, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens." and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Amongst other things, what we read here is that man and woman bear the image of God. God created man and woman to be his image bearers. And what that means is that they were created to represent God in his world, in this world. They were to image God, to reflect the nature of God. And how were they supposed to do this? Specifically, they were to govern, to rule, to take care of the earth, and to do it while in relationship with God and with each other. They were to govern, to rule, to take care of the earth, and do it in relationship to God, and relationship to each other. They bear the image of God. This is how man and woman were created. This is what they were created for. Now, turn one page over to Genesis chapter 2. We see a companion account, the creation narrative. Verse 7 of chapter 2 reads this, From the ground. And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. When God created man, he took the dust of the ground. And he breathed into that dust the breath of life. And the word in the Hebrew for breath that we read there is the word for spirit. God created man Out of dust and breathed life, breathed a spirit into him. And when we put these two passages together, what we see is that man and woman ruling and relating to each other and to God is done in a body, a body that has a spirit. Body and spirit. Man and woman were different from the animals who have bodies but no spirit, sorry dog people, that's true, it's God's word, it's not mine, man and woman different from the angels, were spirits with no bodies, they are image bearers of God. To put it a different way, man and woman were created as an organic whole, body and spirit working together. Body and spirit together. And throughout the pages of Scripture, we read the Scriptures describing the image of God in many different facets. We read words in the Hebrew Old Testament, in the Greek New Testament, like soul and flesh, spirit, body, mind, and will. All of these terms, all of these facets coming together as a whole person, reflecting the image of God. Heart, mind, will, body, spirit, created to be unified, to work together, to reflect the unity of our creator. Another word that you could use for this is embodied spirituality. We are spirits who have bodies Bodies who have spirits. God has created us, body and spirit, to reflect who he is. And as we know, when sin entered the world, this image was fractured. This image of all these different facets making up the image of God, these, those facets, instead of working together, began to be pulled apart. What makes humans human got out of alignment with each other because humans were out of alignment with God. Instead of being a unified heart, mind, our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, or maybe in the language that we've used here over the last year, our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, our bodies, the relationships. We have. Instead of all of these things working together in a healthy, a unified whole, to reflect the glory of God, sin pitted these things against each other. And we experience a fight and a war against ourselves and against each other. And that, that is our experience, right? I mean, there are those of us in this room who live with the presence daily, weekly, of intrusive and negative thoughts and thought patterns. There are people in this room who live with the struggles of mental and emotional unhealthiness. Sin patterns that keep us in bondage even when we know what's right, even when we know how we should live. Relationships in which we were meant to experience love and security and peace are the same relationships that wound and hurt us. Harmful and destructive actions that we continue to do over and over and over again, even though we know we shouldn't. Folks, these aren't just spiritual problems. The spiritual brokenness of our world and of ourselves is manifested in and through our bodies in relationships with each other. We wound and we are wounded in our bodies. We make destructive choices with our bodies. Our bodies break down and carry sickness and disease. More than anything else, our bodies bring us face to face with the reality of sin and death. This is why Jesus Christ came in a body. This is exactly why God Himself took on flesh. I have been, what Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is not saying I was hanging on the cross with Jesus. Paul is saying instead, I have been transformed in my inner person through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and now the life that I live with my body expresses the transformation that's happened to me. It's not the life I live in spite of my body, the life I live outside of my body. What really matters is what's going on inside. No, Paul says what's happened to me on the inside in my spirit through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is being manifested in my body in the way in which I live. My body reflects the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit of God who gave life to Jesus's dead body and caused Jesus Christ to live again lives in you and lives in me. That Spirit does not live in a disembodied you. He does not live in a disembodied me. He lives in me, in this body, in your body. And the life that he gives to you and to me is not just a spiritual life, but he gives life to our whole physical human body. So that our body can experience the transformation and renewal that God created us to experience. And just a few verses later, in chapter 8, verses 22 and 23, Paul again writes this, for we know, That the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Women, you get that. Those of you who have had children get what that pain that Paul is referring to is like. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoptions as sons and daughters. And what does that look like? The redemption of our bodies. The redemption of our bodies. This is why the way of Jesus is incarnational. The incarnation of Jesus isn't the f- the incarnation only the fact that Jesus Christ came in a body. The incarnation of Jesus speaks hope to you and to me that Jesus Christ came in a real human body because he intends to bring redemption and transfer, transformation to our real human body. God's goal in spiritual formation are people whose entire person. Body and soul are being made new, made into whole people who reflect their God. The inner reality of our transformed spirit becomes the natural expression of who we are. Put it this way, our bodies and what we do with our bodies demonstrate in real, visible, physical ways who we were created to be, image bearers of God, who love God and love each other. That is the goal of spiritual formation. And I see many of you nodding your heads. Yes, praise God, amen, preach. We agree with this. When we hear this, it hits something within us. We're like, yes, that's right but honestly, we have a hard time with this truth because we have a hard time with our bodies. We have a hard time in the way in which we view our bodies and live in our bodies. We live in a society who has an unhealthy emphasis on their bodies. I mean, just go to a grocery store, go to Target, go to Walmart, and stand in the line. And what you will see is a magazine on your right that has a picture of a perfect, unblemished body that says, you should want this. This is what you should want. This is how you should look. This is what we should all be striving for. And then you turn around, and on the left-hand side is another magazine that has a picture on the front of it of a decadent dessert, another magazine that's advertising the newest foodie restaurant, No wonder we live in confusion about our bodies. No no wonder we have competing desires with our bodies. We want to look good. We want to feel great. We want to be healthy. And at the same time, we want to enjoy all of the yummy things. We can't have it. Folks, if you haven't figured it out, it doesn't work that way. We can't have it both. But we are told that we should. Because that's what life is really like. You should be able to have nine pack abs and eat whatever you want. It doesn't work that way. But in the church, we are just, I I wish it did too. (laughs) Amen. But in the church, we have an equally unhealthy view of our bodies because we place an overemphasis on our spirits. Right? Right? When we talk about our bodies, how do we talk about them? The sinful flesh, the deceitful heart, a body that's just confined to live in this broken down world full of sin and death. But when we talk about our spirits, it's, it's our minds that are being renewed, our wills that are being transformed, the heavenly, eternal part of who we are. We talk so negatively about our bodies and about the life that we live in our bodies. We talk about our bodies as just a bunch of chains that we need to throw off so that our spirits can fly and be what God created them to be. What really matters is what's on the inside, not what's on the out. God is about the spiritual formation of our bodies because you are a body. I am a body. Who you are is not just some soul that's stuck inside what I can see. What I see in you, that is who you are. You are that person that I'm looking at right now. We need to start thinking rightly about our bodies. We need to start participating in the transformation that God wants to bring to our lives as whole people in our bodies. And we do that first and foremost by giving our bodies to God. Giving our bodies to God. We need to understand and we need the spirit to show us and reveal to us how our bodies have become our masters. How our bodies are ruling our lives. Because we can live in two extremes. On one extreme, we can be guilty of body idolatry. We want to be attractive. We want to look good. We want to be trendy. We look at the amount of time that we spend exercising, the amount of time that we spend shopping. We want to feel comfortable. We spend in front of the mirror. At the same time, we want to feel comforted, and we want to feel good, and we want to feel pleasure. We overeat, we overdrink, and we seek in our bodies to fill up what we are missing in our lives. And on the other end of the spectrum, we can be guilty of body insecurity. We can hate our bodies. We can feel cheated by God that we have the body we have. We can live with the guilt And the shame of eating a little too much. Of seeing another person that we find more attractive than ourselves. We can live with the bitterness of not looking the way that we want to look. Or feeling the way that we want to feel. And both of these extremes keep us in bondage. They enslave us to our mortal bodies. And that's what Paul was getting at in Romans 12, one. He says, present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Not just present your mind to God. Present your spirit to God but present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. Whole person, body and spirit, turned over to God. Turned over to God, asking God for healing, asking God for deliverance, asking God for freedom from body idolatry, from body insecurity, asking God to free us from the master that is our body. But at the same time, committing that body to righteousness. To righteousness. So often in our Christian speak, we spend so much time focusing on what we're not supposed to do with our bodies. What we should refrain from doing in our bodies. But our bodies express Who we really are. And that's why Paul wrote in Romans 6.13 to present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and present your bodies to God as instruments of righteousness. This is what Pastor Andrew was talking about. Abide in him. 2.15, Jesus' invitation to come and to abide in him to live in him, to experience life with him, not in some disembodied, just overly spiritualized way, but in all of our lives. And when we do that, when we seek Jesus, and when we live in Jesus and pursue Jesus and practice the way of Jesus, and we'll get to that in a second, Jesus says, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit the transformation that God brings in our lives through his spirit will be manifested through our body. The fruit is not just abstract fruit. It's not just fruit that stays on the inside, but it is fruit that is shown in our bodies, in what we do with our bodies in relation to God and relationship to each other. And then lastly, practice the way of Jesus. We are so that who we are is what we do. And what we do is who we are. If you remember, this is what Jesus was getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. When he chastised the Pharisees for just being people who only cared about what they were doing on the outside. They looked great on the outside, but Jesus called them whitewashed tombs because there was nothing on the inside. Spiritual formation and practicing the way of Jesus brings what is on the inside out so that what is on the outside reflects what is on the end. God aligning all of who we are with who he is. So what does this have to do with fasting and feasting? Fasting and feasting are practices that we do in our bodies connect, that would re- reinforce, maybe more accurately, our body and our spirit. They reinforce that we experience now in part, and what we will one day experience in full, the redemption of our bodies. Theologian Scott McKnight wrote this about fasting, and I think it also applies to feasting. Fasting is the body talking what the spirit yearns, what the soul longs for, and what the mind knows to be true. The body talking, what the spirit yearns, what the soul longs for, and what the mind knows to be true. And so over the next few weeks, when we talk about fasting, we are going to see fasting as a natural response to grief, to tragedy. We're going to see fasting accompanying a desire for guidance, prayers on behalf of other people, on behalf of our city, on behalf of our nation. Fasting as a body longing for what the Spirit longs for, that man can't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And similarly, feasting is a response to God's presence, his kindness, his provision. It's a response and an acknowledgement that full redemption of our body and our spirit is promised, and that that means it's as good as done. That one day, we will experience fully what god created us to experience and so now when we get a taste of that when we get a glimpse of that we celebrate and we th- we live in thanksgiving towards god folks god wants all of you he wants all of me our hearts our minds our wills our spirits our body God wants all of us. He gave us all of himself. Jesus told his disciples when they shared that last meal together, he said, this is my body. Which I give for you. This is the cup which is poured out because of my blood. Every time we eat of the bread, every time we drink of the juice, we proclaim that Christ has died, that Christ has risen, and that Christ is coming back again. You remember these words from Jesus, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never Thirst, As we seek to follow Jesus, as we seek to practice the way of Jesus, we are people, whole people, body and spirit, who are being transformed by the power of the Spirit to represent God in this place and in the world that we live in. To show people in a real, tangible way. This is what God is like. I want to invite you this morning to come and to eat. To take a real piece of bread. To dip it in real juice. To know that Jesus Christ came in a real body. And that body was broken for you. And that blood was shed for you so that we could have a taste now of what we will experience for eternity, the full and total redemption of our bodies. Jesus is making all things new. Father, we... we acknowledge that we are fraught with so many contradictions and so much confusion about our bodies and how we're to live in this world and the complexity of who we are. I thank you for your scripture that shows us the truth, that brings us back to a place where you intend us to be that you desire to transform all of us, spirit, body. Lord, I pray that this wouldn't be something that we just think about, we just acknowledge with our heads, that we leave in some spiritual realm, but Lord, that we would continue to be a people who practice the way of Jesus and real, this group of people. I thank you for how this body this group of people, reflects your incarnation. And Lord, I just pray, I pray that you would continue to use us in each other's lives, that you would continue to use us in this community to show each other and to show the world what you are really like. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.